1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And as you're being seated, our launching scripture in this series, Taking Action Today for a Better Tomorrow, our launching scripture has been Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 20, where Paul wrote, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So the power of God is at work in our lives. His power is at work in us and through us. And as we've learned, our wonderful Heavenly Father, He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That's true, but what if? And we've been asking this question in different ways every week. What if we never give God the opportunity to do something wonderful in our lives? And that relates back to the testimony that I just read. You know, so often when there's a need, it could be a physical need, it could be a financial need. So often we, we go to this place or that place or this person or this bank or this institution or this facility looking for help, looking for an answer. But why not give God the opportunity to do something wonderful? Why not get, look to the Lord first? Why not give God the first opportunity? Why not give God the first chance? You've heard Pastor share how when we were little growing up that when Christina or I were not feeling well, they, they would pray over us before we went to bed. And they would say to each other, well, if they're not better by morning, then we'll take them. But they gave God the opportunity to do something first. We ought to look to the Lord. We ought to look to God as our source. We ought to look to God as our help. Just in the past few weeks, we are told about a situation, a challenge that someone was facing in their life and in their body. But these situations grieve us where people have looked to the world and they've looked to doctors and they've looked to institutions and all of these means without first looking to the Lord. And again, we're, you've heard my father say, we're, we're not the faith police. And so sometimes someone will face a great need in their body and they'll let doctors do this or that They'll do like the woman, the woman with the issue of blood. They'll let them do everything they want to do. And then when there's, there's no hope left, then they want to look to God. 
But it's hard in those situations to fight the fight of faith. If you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're ready to go home to be with the Lord. So why not give God the opportunity to do something wonderful? And why not look to the Lord? Why not look to God first? Why don't we say that? Say, say first. first. So we ought to give our wonderful Heavenly Father the opportunity to do something wonderful in our lives. And he wants to do immeasurably more. But the truth is our Heavenly Father will not do it all for us. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly. So that's focused. That's on course. Not being distracted. Not being dissuaded. Not letting anything, anyone pull you off course. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Say, say God is faithful. Say, say God is faithful in my life. He is faithful. He is faithful. And he's always available. He's always wanting to help us. He's always wanting to do something on our behalf. He's always wanting to move in our life, our circumstances. But are we looking to the Lord? Are we asking him for his help? He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur or encourage one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Well, just imagine if the author, likely Paul, lived today, what he would say today in 2022. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Verse 23, he who promised is faithful. Say it again. Say, my heavenly father, my heavenly father. He, is he is good and he is faithful. Then you look over at Hebrews 10, verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And we, li we live in a time people want to try things. They, they want to try marriage. They want to try having children. They want to try working out. They want to try a diet. And of course, in this culture, people want to try God. But the best results come when you are faithful and consistent. Now, sometimes people will come and there's a need, there's an emergency. And God is good. He answers. And praise God for his grace and mercy. But because they don't stay in church and stay in church consistently, because they're not faithful, because they don't live a life where they're a doer of the word of God, they, they never come to the place where they live a life of victory. And so what's their pattern? When we see them, we know there's a problem. When we see them, we know there's a need. When we see them, we know that there's some challenged, some new mountain. But that's not the Christian life that our Heavenly Father wants us to live. The Bible says that he wants to lead us in triumphal procession from victory to victory. But you got to be faithful. You got to be consistent. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. When you're faithful, when you're consistent, when you're a doer of the word, you will be richly rewarded. And that reward is in this life, but the greater reward is in the next life. But if you'll not quit, not give up, not throw in the towel, you will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. 
You know, and so often we want to quit. And it's, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Satan, he's a liar. And he's really good at talking people into quitting. And that's why parents, you have to be mindful of this and what you agree to let your children do. Because if you let them do something, you ought to instill in them that we don't quit. We don't give up. We don't throw in the towel. We don't try, we do. And we finish our obligations and we finish our commitments. But Jessica and I, we'll, we'll hear about situations. And we're just amazed by how parents will let there be a pattern of quitting. Maybe someone hurt someone's feelings. Okay, you can quit. Maybe your, your coach didn't just fluff your pillow the right way. Okay, you can quit. Maybe your, your friend doesn't think it's cool to be on that team or at that school anymore. Okay, you can quit. And it sets a really bad pattern for life. You know, maybe we started her too early. But we, all of our children take piano lessons except Emily. She's not old enough yet, although she goes to the piano. She tries. But Julia's four. And I heard recently she didn't want to go to piano lessons. Well, sweetheart, you are going whether you want to or not. Now, if that means I've got to walk her there myself, I will do whatever is necessary. But we do not quit. And we live in a society in which people quit and which people are led to believe it's okay to quit and to give up. It's not just starting well. It is finishing well. We're, there are some visitors today, and the wife is from a country in Europe, but just in our conversation in the atrium, a pastor's name came up who for decades ran his race well. But in the last years of his life, he's embraced apostasy. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. It's not just starting well. It is finishing well. We will be richly rewarded. But verse 36, you need to persevere. Tell your neighbor, say persevere. persevere. Tell your other neighbor, say persevere. persevere. For then... For that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. And of course, the verse numbers, chapters were added later. So the author continues, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. You know, in the world, people are changing what they're believing and doing every other week. But as the people of God, we ought to be sure and certain. We ought to be consistent. We ought to be living a life that is not changing all the time. Sure and certain. So verse 35 says, do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded. And verse 36 says you need to persevere. And sometimes we don't want to hear that. Like growing up, we want to hear, okay, you can quit. Just this past week, my father rehearsed to me how there was a point when Christina had broken up with her boyfriend. That was for the good, amen. Put it in the hands of God. But because of that, and because she was away at school, she, she, she wanted to quit. She wanted to come home. And she did what we all do. 
She knew she would get a more sympathetic response from Pastor Sue. So she ran it by Pastor Sue first. My father knew it was coming. And he, he told her, he said, honey, we're not the kind of people who quit. So smile at your neighbor, say, persevere. persevere. Smile at your other neighbor, say, persevere. persevere. And that's not always what we want to hear. We want to hear, it's okay, you can quit, you can throw in the towel, but we need to persevere. We need to persevere in doing what's right. We need to persevere in you being a great husband or a great father. You need to persevere in you being a great wife or a great mom. You need to persevere in raising those kids. You need to persevere in doing what's right when no one else is doing what's right. You need to persevere in living for the Lord with all your heart, no matter what anyone else is doing. You've got to persevere. You need to persevere. Verse 39 says, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who believe and are saved. Say this, say, I will give God. Say it this way, say, I will give my heavenly Father the opportunity to do something wonderful in my life. Number one, hope sets the goal, but faith is the means you employ to get to your goal. Hope sets the goal. But faith, it is the means, the method you employ to get to your goal. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Hope is a part of that, but faith, it is more than just hope. That's why when we teach on faith, we always teach that faith is taking action on the Word of God. Our faith is evidenced not just by what we believe or confess. Our faith is evidenced by what we do. And so one of our fathers in the faith taught this, Dr. Fred Price, hope sets the goal. It's what you hope for. It's what you hope to obtain. Hope sets the goal. But faith is the means you employ to get to your goal. He, he would also say it this way, faith will keep the ship afloat. You know, it's a bummer to be out at sea and you're hoping, you're believing, but the ship is sinking. And so he would explain, faith will keep the ship afloat. Faith is being sure, certain. What is your goal? What are your goals? What do you want to become in life? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to do? What do you want to do for your family? What do you want to do for the kingdom of God? Where do you see yourself being in five years or in 10 years? Do you have goals? What do you want to do in life? What has God gifted you to do in life? What do you want to accomplish in life? If you never set any goals, you'll never reach any goals. And if you have no goals, you'll have no victories. You gotta set goals. And we ought to have more than one, just one goal, amen? You gotta set goals. And we're not dealing with goals per se today, but when we've taught on this, we've explained you gotta have short-term, intermediate-term, and long-term goals. You gotta set goals. If you have no goals, you won't make any progress. If you have no goals, you'll have no standard by which to measure your progress. If you have no goals, you'll never achieve anything. And even if you do, you won't know because you have no goals. And I know we live in a politically correct culture where the message of the culture is winning doesn't matter. Success doesn't matter. Getting the trophy doesn't matter. That everybody ought to get a participation ribbon. But we all know here in our hearts that to be a lie, 
because we all want to win. Winning sure beats losing. Having enough is great, and that's better than not having enough, but having more than enough sure beats just having enough. See, you see, we know here in our hearts, because we're made in whose image? God's image. We were destined to win. We were destined to reign. We were destined to succeed. We were destined to do great things. As Teal Osborne would say, yes, we, we've got to come to the place where we believe in God, but you've also got to believe in yourself. I mentioned Julia. We're working with her on staying in bed. So Jessica came up with an ingenious idea. I'll give her the credit, a chart. You stay in bed all night, you get a star on the chart. Well, the other night she got out of bed a couple of times. So I told her, you are not getting a star tomorrow morning. And Jessica said, wait to tell her in the morning. That way you're not making it more of an issue. But Julia believes in herself. And even though I told her she wasn't getting a star, and even though Jessica told her she's not getting a star, she woke up that morning and she gave herself a star. <laughs> that girl believes in herself. One facet of Europe and the world being in the medieval period and in the dark ages, people did not have the light of the word of God. They could, not they could not read God's word for themselves. And as a part of that, they didn't believe in what they were capable of doing. And so things changed and people were able to read the word of God for themselves. There was the enlightenment, there was the renaissance, but part of that was people believing that they were destined by God to do great things, magnificent things, awesome things. You got to set goals and set all kinds of goals, long-term, intermediate, and short-term goals. Never stop setting goals. People die early when they stop living. People die early when they have no new goals or nothing to work for. In America, the average American man lives just six months after retirement. Why? How can that be? Too many people live to go to work. They have no hobbies, no outside interests. They have nothing besides work. And at work, they set no goals. So work is for the sake of work, not for achieving goals, not for accomplishing great things. So when work is over, their life is over. They have no goals. They have no reason to live another day. You were destined by God for great things. You were destined by God to do great things. You were destined by God to think outside the box and do wonderful things, creative things. Say, I will give my heavenly father the opportunity to do something wonderful in my life. Number two, our goals should not just be financial in nature. Our goals should not just be financial in nature. Jesus came to bring us the abundant life, and that is in every area of life. He came to bring us life more abundantly, and that is in every area of life. Jesus said in John 10:10, 10, 10, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Say, say more abundantly. And you might say, well, Austin, what does that mean? More abundantly than what you grew up with. More abundantly in your, your home, in your marriage, in your family, in your parenting, in your child raising. More abundantly in your work and what God has gifted you to do. 
more abundantly in every area of life. See, we, we shouldn't compartmentalize God in our lives. That God is on Sundays or on Wednesdays, and our life is what it is. No, we ought to bring God into every single part of our lives and realize that he wants us to have his best in every part of our lives. In your home, if you're married, in your marriage, if you have children and you're parenting, in your work, and whatever God has gifted you to do, bring God into it. He wants to do wonderful things in your life. And our, our goal should reflect that he wants to do wonderful things in every part of our lives. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Paul deals with that elsewhere. He gave up all the glory, all the splendor of heaven to be born of a woman. Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And 3 John 2, the apostle John spoke of us having a life that is completely full. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Even as thy soul prospereth. Our Heavenly Father wants us to prosper in every part of our lives. He doesn't just want us to be well in our finances. He wants you to be well in your mind. He wants you to be well in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. He wants you to be happy. Happy in your marriage. Happy in your family. Happy in your parenting and child raising. He wants your home to be a happy place. He wants you to enjoy your work. He wants you to be fulfilled in your work. He wants us to prosper in every part of our lives and everything that we put our hands to. You know, sometimes I'll hear about someone complaining about this or that or they complain month after month about their job. You know, there are other jobs available out there. You can take action today for what? A better tomorrow. But our Heavenly Father's not going to do it all for you. You might have to update your resume. You might have to apply. You might have to put yourself out there a little bit. But our Heavenly Father, He wants us to have a life that is abundant in every part of life. We should all have goals, but our goals should not all revolve around money. All of our goals should not just be material goals. It shouldn't all be about a car or a house or a vacation. What about our children? What about what God has called or gifted them to do? What about the kingdom of God? What about those who have never heard the gospel? So we should have all kinds of goals. And our goals should not just be about us. Your goal should not just be about you. We should have all kinds of goals. And that should be reflected in our love for God and our love for the kingdom, our love for those in need, and our love for our family and our children. We should have all kinds of goals. For my father, it was a dream, a vision that he saw from Deuteronomy and Proverbs. For him, it became a magnificent obsession to be a blessing to the kingdom of God, but to also be a blessing to his family, to Christina and I, to make the way easier. So instead of just being focused on financial things, we could be focused on family and children. And, and I'll be honest, because they made our way easier, that's part of why we have such a large family. It has everything to do with it. At 9 a.m., my father shared how 
when he and my mom moved to Texas, that when they got married in the 70s, a starter home in Fort Worth was about $40,000. And both his father was a man of means, my mother's father was a man of means, and they could have each written a check for $20,000 each, they could have bought a house, and they could have made my parents' way much easier. And they never would have missed it. But see, they were two unsaved men. But it's sad how sometimes God's people act just like unsaved men and women. When I was young, growing up in the youth group, there would be these heartbreaking situations. During 9 a.m., I was thinking of a situation where there was a young girl just a few years older, but as soon as she turned 18, her parents took her down the road, they, they moved her into an apartment, they covered one month's rent, then they said, you're on your own. See, that, that's not godly. That's not Christian. That's not loving. Oh, great, we can get rid of them. We can get them off the home payroll. We don't have to feed them anymore. And we'll have more money for us to do a vacation or whatever it is. See, what word describes that? Selfish. But it's not loving. It certainly isn't the God kind of love. But because that young girl was thrust into that situation, a few months went by, and guess what? She was pregnant. And because of the situation, there was great pressure for her to get married. And of course, the guy, that guy was not a good guy, not a faithful guy. She ended up in a situation partly because she was thrust into it by selfish parents. See, our goal should not just be all about us. A few years ago on TV, there was a special about guys doing crazy things, and I don't know what they called it, but it was about a man who lives here locally that has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on Dallas Cowboys memorabilia. But see, there's a man that doesn't know God. There's a man that isn't concerned about what his wife wants or his wife desires or what his children want or what his children desires. He's put everything into something that doesn't matter. And there's nothing wrong with Dallas Cowboys memorabilia if it's from the years they won the Super Bowl. Amen. <laughs> but there are things in life that are more important. It shouldn't just be about us and our wants and our needs. And so you've heard my father share how God moved upon his heart, my mom's heart, to do things to make our way easier. You've heard him share how when each of Jessica and I's children and Christina's children have been born, he's set up accounts for them to be invested so that someday they have something. See, that, that, that's love. That's love. That's the, the God kind of love. Proverbs 19 and verse 14 says, Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Proverbs 13 verse 22 says, A good man. What kind of man? A good man leaves an inheritance, not just for his children. A good man leaves an inheritance for who? His children's children. You know, back in the I-30 days, telling stories today. Must feel relaxed. It's a holiday tomorrow. There was a guy, you know, he was always super spiritual. I remember once he was mad at Aaron Wood because Aaron Wood accidentally referred to a PG-13 movie. 
you know, and that guy was just all worked up, upset. And again, it was nothing harmful, no big deal. But again, one of those super spiritual types. Well, as soon as his daughter was old enough to work, he made her get a job at Walmart. And then, you know, it's selfish when, you know, parents make their kids work and then they, they confiscate their paycheck. I could be really stepping in it today. Well, you take up X percentage of our square footage, so I'm charging you rent. They're 15. You need to get saved. So she was old enough to work, made her get a job at Walmart, working at night. And then with such a selfish, you know what, wouldn't go wait on her, pick her up, drive her home, make sure she got safely home. He made her walk home. Eve, that's evil. That's wicked. That's ungodly. So in your life, it can't just all be about you, your needs, your wants, your feelings. We got to be people of love. We've got to be filled with the God kind of love. Because see, our children, they're looking to us for an example. They're looking to us to see if what we say about the Lord is really true. And it has everything to do with whether they will live for God someday. And what's heartbreaking about that is that, that young girl's into all kinds of wicked, ungodly things today, but it's because of the example she saw in what was supposed to be a Christian home growing up, but it was anything but a Christian home. So it can't just be about you or me or our wants or our needs or what we've got going on. We've got to believe that our Heavenly Father wants us to live an abundant life in every area of life, and it's not just for us. It's for our children. It's for our grandchildren. It's for everyone that comes into the kingdom and the family of God. So set goals. Set all kinds of goals. Financial, material, physical, and spiritual goals. We all need goals. And over time, faith, if you'll walk by faith and be a doer of the word, over time, faith will help you obtain those goals. Say, I will give my heavenly Father the opportunity to do something wonderful in my life. And then number three, exercise patience and perseverance. Our favorite words. Exercise patience and perseverance. Because of how I was raised, perseverance is easy, but patience is not. It takes perseverance plus patience for God to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Some harvests come quick. Some harvests take time. Got to persevere. Got to be patient. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Tell your neighbors, say, don't quit. don't quit. Vince Lombardi once said, once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. And that's why I was referring to the fact that when parents let their kids quit this and quit that, it's setting a bad habit, a bad pattern for life. Once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. Damon John says 97% of the people who quit too soon are employed by 3% of the people that never gave up. See, it's perspective. Got to keep going. Got to persevere. Got to be patient. Napoleon Hill said one of the most common causes of failure is the habit of quitting when one is overtaken by a temporary defeat. 
Tell yourself, say, it's temporary. temporary. Tell yourself, say, things are going to change. Tell yourself, say, things are going to get better. Because again, if the word is true and you don't quit, things are going to get better in all things. Doesn't mean we're thrilled about all things, whatever they may be. And not, God is not causing all things. But in all things, he's working what? Good. So if he's working good in all things, it is going to get better. If he's working good in all things, this, whatever it is, it is just temporary. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. And again, Satan, he is a master liar. And he's really good at getting people to quit or to throw in the towel just before the answer comes, just before the harvest comes, just before circumstances change. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It takes perseverance plus patience for God to do immeasurably more. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Hebrews 10, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly, not quitting, not giving up, not throwing in the towel. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more. And this is why we're to encourage one another. Because there are times where someone might be wary and they need a little encouragement. So again, you've got to come back to it. It's not just all about you and it's not just all about me. We've got to be mindful of others. You've got to be mindful of everyone in your home. And when we come together, we're the community of believers. We're, we're a family. We've got to be mindful of each other because someone may be wary Someone may be discouraged. Someone may, may be hearing the voice of the enemy to quit, to give up, to throw in the towel. And so we ought to encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. And we, the days we're living in, the day is approaching. So we've got to encourage one another all the more. Verse 23, for he who promised is faithful. Say, my heavenly father, he, he is faithful. Say, my heavenly father, he is working good on my behalf. Say, he is working good on my behalf right now. He, he is faithful. 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 If you will not quit, he is faithful. If you will not throw in the towel, he is faithful. If you will not give up, he is faithful. If you will not give up, he will see you through and you will be richly rewarded but it requires patience it requires perseverance number four our confidence is based on God's faithfulness not our faithfulness our confidence is based on God's faithfulness not our faithfulness and I didn't bring the reference Paul wrote to Timothy that he is faithful even when people are faithless. And that's not to excuse anyone being faithless. It is simply to say that our Heavenly Father, He is faithful, He is faithful, He is faithful, and we can always count on His faithfulness. 
Verse 35 here in Hebrews 10, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back. We can say it this way. We are not those who quit. We are not those who give up. We are not those who throw in the towel. We are not those who try God. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Verse 35, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Why don't we say this? Say, I will be richly rewarded. Say it again. Say, I will be richly rewarded. We're, we're his children. He's a wonderful father. He is and will reward us richly. How can we not throw away our confidence? Why should we not throw away our confidence? Verse 23, he who promised is faithful. Say, my heavenly father is faithful. Say it again. Say, my heavenly father is faithful. Say it again. Say, my heavenly father is faithful. He will see you through. He will do what he has promised in his word to do. Our confidence is based on the fact that our Heavenly Father is faithful. Our confidence is based on the fact that he is faithful to his word. He will do what he says. He will bring his word to pass in your life. Nothing, though, will happen until we believe, confess, and take action on the word. And nothing will happen until we take him at his word. So you have to take him at his word. You have to choose to not quit, not give up, not throw in the towel, but to believe, to confess, to do what his word says, knowing he is faithful and he will see you through. Verse 35, again, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So what's part of the reward? The achievement of what God has called us to do. What's part of the reward? Seeing what we're believing God for come to pass, come to fruit, be a reality in our lives. What's Part of the reward, seeing our goals come to pass. You need, verse 36, you need to persevere. Tell your neighbor, say, persevere. persevere. Tell your other neighbor, say, persevere. persevere. Say this again, say, I will give my heavenly Father the opportunity to do something wonderful in my life. Now, next Sunday, we're going to wrap this series up in Mark 11, beginning in verse 22. And it's Mark 11, 22 through verses 24 that'll carry us through in these days until the Lord comes. Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 through 24, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. He literally said, have the God kind of faith. And elsewhere in the gospels, he said, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Someone might say, Austin, have you heard about this or that? Have you seen this or that in the news? What should we do? have faith in God. And what do we do on Monday morning? Have faith in God. And Tuesday morning, have faith in God. And Wednesday morning, have faith in God. And just keep doing what's right. Just keep believing him and believing his word. Just keep being doers of the word of God because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we are patient, we persevere, 
we will be richly rewarded. Don't have time to go there today. You go to Revelations, Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, the seven letters to the seven churches, Jesus' word to his church. He says, to those who overcome. That's the same thing as saying to those who finish well, to those who overcome, to those who persevere. So we, in these days, shouldn't quit, shouldn't give up, shouldn't bow to the world. We should just keep living for God. What do we do? Have faith in God. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and perhaps you've heard about the goodness of God. But you, you would say, Austin, I don't know the Lord. I don't know God is my Father. I don't have a relationship with Him. He loves you. And He has a wonderful plan for your life. But it all begins by asking Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. This world that we live in, it will lie and it will tell you that if you're just kind of good enough, that that is sufficient. You'll be in heaven someday. This world we live in, it, it'll lie to you. It'll tell you that if you, you can come up with your own path to God, you can make your own way. It's a lie. Jesus said, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He told Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, man of faith, a man of religion. Jesus told him, he said, you must be born again. That's how we come to have this new life in Christ, this new life in God. It's how we become a part of the family of God. You must be born again. You might be here today and say, Austin, I've never experienced that in my life. I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, but I want to. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to know what it's like to have God as my Father. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I want you to pray with me. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to become a part of the family of God. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it high so I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to be a part of the family of God. You might also be here today and at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart, you've not been living for God. You've been doing your own thing. Maybe something happened. Maybe you got bitter. Maybe you got upset at God. Maybe you blame God. Or maybe you, you chose to do things you knew weren't right. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can leave here today knowing you have peace with God. You can leave here today knowing you have a new beginning and a fresh start. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I, I want you to pray with me. I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with God. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand so I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life. If that's you, raise your hand so I'll see it. Might be watching online now or later, listening now or later. You say, Austin, I, I don't know the Lord. I don't know God. I don't know God as my Father. You can't. 
But as Jesus said, you must be born again. And so if you would like to be a part of the family of God, if you would like to know God is your Father, repeat after me and pray this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I give my life to you. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for welcoming me in your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. I give you my life. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name. Watching, listening now or later, you prayed that prayer with me. We want to be a blessing to you. If you go to the address on the screen, there's a short, simple form to fill out. We don't want anything from you. We want to be a blessing. If you don't have a Bible, we'll send you a Bible, and we'll also send you a copy of my father's book, God's Very Own Child. We have it available in English or in Spanish. It's short, easy to read, but it'll help you get started in living the Christian life. Praise God. Our Heavenly Father, He is good. Amen? Amen. And He is working good in our lives. Tell your neighbor, say, don't quit. Tell your other neighbor, say, persevere. See, whether it's mom or dad being that person for a child, you need to be that person for someone in the family of God. Let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. A few days ago, I picked up the girls after school. They're both in cheer together. One of them hurt each other's feelings. One of them was crying. We don't quit. If you keep it up, daddy's going to come to cheer practice to show you how it's done. <laughs> they looked horrified, and that just horrified them right into good behavior. Amen. <laughs> Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're the, we're the family of God, amen? And at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Well, I hope the message was an encouragement and blessing you today. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.